0: in you for really strong healthy families and river of life amen Do y'all agree with me about that i'm believing for that lord blessed marriages blessed homes lord that that things will be unified they will be in an order and lord it will be wonderful and satisfying and fulfilling and that our homes will be a place of your presence and power and things will be as you desire them to be and lord i pray tonight i'm dealing with um wisdom and advice for the younger people and also for those that are going to be raising uh, children or giving advice to the younger generation lord i pray right now that you would speak through me tonight this is so important that the word of the lord will go forth that your holy spirit just captivate every person and give you our best your full attention our total focus lord and and our minds tuned into what you're trying to show us that we're not distracted let the Holy Spirit lock us in and anoint our eyes and ears and give us good fertile soil of hearts and minds. Let your word go out as living seeds sown into good fertile soil, watered by the Spirit of hearts and minds and lives, and will take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains. And, Lord, let there be a washing of the water of the word and light of your truth, shining and dispelling the darkness, the lies, the evil, the deception of the enemy, and bring truth, Lord. And we thank you. Bless this time, Lord, that everything be compassed through your word. It's your will to be done, and we thank you, Lord, for it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I'm dealing with, you know, I entitled this, I guess, Wisdom in Raising Children and Before Marriage, but really you could just say wisdom. I I really believe that God is wanting to give a lot of wisdom right now in this particular sermon. I kind of put these sermons together at least in a skeletal form all at one time. The Lord just gave it to me. And I documented all of it. So this just happened to fall tonight. I feel it's very significant. But Proverbs four verse one Hear, O son, or hear O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. For I will give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction, for when I was a son to my father, tender, and only the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Do not forget. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. He's talking about wisdom here in verse 6. Do not forsake her being wisdom. And she will guard you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is uh, acquire wisdom. And with all your acquiring, get understanding her and she will exalt you she will she will honor you if you embrace her she will place on your head a garland of grace and she will present you with a crown of beauty so we know that god is trying to show us here how important it is to have wisdom okay everybody say wisdom we need the wisdom of god now here's the i pray for wisdom literally every single day and Here's where you get it in the New Testament. James is kind of the wisdom book of the New Testament. But James 1 verse 5 says this, But if any of you lacks wisdom, and this is not just a general term, but it's wisdom about a certain area. So if you lack wisdom in the area of marriage or the area of raising kids or the area of how to have a a healthy home or whatever, because we're in this context right now, but wherever you lack wisdom, the Bible says, Let him ask of God who gives to all generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. So the Lord is saying here that if you ask him for wisdom, he's not going to turn you down. He's going to give you wisdom, and he'll give you wisdom in abundance. Everybody you know, see what I'm saying? This is, this is a very important point that I'm making here because this could totally transform your life. If you understand that we desperately need wisdom and we begin to seek the Lord, give me more wisdom, Lord, in my life, and, and specifically name some areas that maybe you see that you need more wisdom, God will honor that, and he will give you wisdom, okay? All right, so just to recap up to this point, at least some things um, that I've already talked about is how important it is to be positive instead of negative, to focus on the positive in your family and in your spouse and not the negative, also to pull down all those old mental strongholds of the enemy and to speak blessings, okay? Okay speaking blessings is so important that makes a huge difference but i've already preached on these things so i'm just kind of recapping all right so courting instead of dating the word courting sounds really cheesy but it's back in the day before the current dating system was um, kind of a different way a different approach toward marriage much more biblical um today's dating system the way that people are dating and y'all young people hear me tonight though we pray for wisdom amen we pray for great wisdom to come during this sermon in jesus name but the current dating system in america is not biblical at all there's nothing there's nothing about it that's biblical and anybody that even has even any good just healthy common sense can look at it and realize that not only is it not biblical, but it's caused a lot of unnecessary problems in people's lives, okay? So, here's some things about that. Um, You want to have young people, okay? You want to have your parents' opinion about a potential mate, okay? Because a lot of times younger people don't have the wisdom yet to really make the best decisions all the time. And you'd be surprised, even if you have non-Christian parents, you'd be surprised sometimes the wisdom that God will give your parents to give you advice. Um, and let me tell you this, young people, y'all hear me on this one. There's no reason to pursue a relationship with somebody if you're not if you know that you're not going to get married anyway did y'all catch that so just dating around for fun is shall we say stupid so the only reason that you should have any type of that type of romantic pursuit is if you really feel that there might be somebody that you would marry otherwise why are you why are you with them what's the point The only thing that's going to do is create a problem. If you're not going to get married, what's the point? So, but I I would say to definitely um, ask your parents advice. Get godly advice. It would be good, and I'm just going to go down through this. This is wisdom, okay? It would be good if both parents on both sides can give their blessing. But let me just say that that's not always going to be possible. I understand that. A lot of times you're dealing with non-Christian families and they, you know, you can't, if you feel God has truly spoken to you, and you better make sure God's spoken to you because this is one of the most important decisions of your life, but if you feel God's truly spoken to you and you've heard from God and there's people that or against it but you know it's God then what can you do you're just going to have I'll give you a good example be I heard from God about marrying my wife but um her family her mother in particular wasn't really for it I didn't really care um she's she's a non-christian she's you know practiced witchcraft most of her life I mean I don't I'm not seeking her opinion but I'm just saying but if it's possible for For the two families to give their blessing, this is very huge, if it's possible, okay? The difference between the current dating system and the way things used to be when they were more biblical-based was that you would get to know each other and their families, and it was more of a public thing. For example, the young man may go over to the young lady's house and spend time with that whole family and get to know that family. And then the young lady would come over and spend time with him and his family. And it was more public, and it was more of getting to know what you're possibly marrying into. You need to make sure. Y'all better hear me about some of these things. Obviously, that the person you are pursuing is a Christian and shares your values. Young people, y'all hearing this? You better make sure the person you're pursuing is a Christian, but not only a Christian, but somebody that shares your values. Because there are some people out there that they say, yeah, I'm a Christian, you know, but they have no problem with certain sinful activity in their life that you're gonna, you may have a big problem with. And, just, and let me give you just wisdom here. They may come from more of a Baptist background where they're really against tongues and really against the move of the Holy Spirit. You come from a background where you're really in favor of these things. If you get married, this will come up. Because you're going to have to decide, you know, where are we going to go to church? How are we going to raise our kids? So you better make sure that the person that you're potentially going to marry, it has the same Christian values, spirit-filled, living, holy values that you share. Because if you feel it's wrong to watch certain type of movies and things like that, but they don't at all, it will come up. Okay, it will come up at some time. These things need to be discussed before you enter into marriage. What a lot of people do, not only about marriage, but they do this about a lot of things. Um, People that are called into the ministry, and they try to pray and begin to get a ministry going, or it could be something like a marriage or whatever it is, they... Uh, let me, let's me let look at the story of Abraham. There's people that they, they feel that God has spoken to them about something, but they try to rush it or they try to force it. And it, it could be about anything. It doesn't have to be about just marriage, but it could be about that God's called them into ministry, and they're trying to force it. They're trying to rush things. And when you look at the life of Abraham, and you can look at other people's lives like Moses as well, when people tried to do it prematurely, it was always regretted. Remember, Abraham forced it. He tried to push this issue, and he birthed Ishmael, which was a mistake. And not only that, but remember Moses. Moses was called to be a deliverer, but Moses tried to act prematurely and end up killing that Egyptian and had to flee for his life. Remember, it was premature. It wasn't the timing of God. And it ended up being very regretted at the end of the day. So this is where godly wisdom and godly counsel is so important because people have a tendency to rush into things without hearing from God. Don't ever go into something without first hearing from God. And it's not only about relationships, but what about spiritual warfare? um, There's many stories about this, but there was a family that simply sent one of their young people to go on a missions trip now I'm all for missions trips but you you really need to hear from God and be led by the spirit but they ended up in some spiritual warfare and she ended up getting really sick and it led to her um, she was paralyzed and something else and it was pretty serious so all of that could have probably been avoided had they not just rushed into something but rather waited to hear from God And once they heard from God, then they move out in faith that it is his timing. Does that make sense? So when it's God's timing, you hear from God, you know that you've heard from God for sure, and it is his timing, there is a grace on you. Now here's some more wisdom. And let me say this too. I, I need to say this about the life of Abraham. See, some people, I'm going to tell you something about the Lord. The Lord is looking for a people of faith. I'm going to tell you about the life of Abraham. God spoke to him when he was about 75 years old that he would be the father of a great nation. And Abraham had to wait 25 years before he actually saw the birth of a child. Think about that. I mean, people don't realize how long that really is. And not only that, but his, he was getting older to the point where in the natural it wasn't even possible. But here's, here's God. God caused that Abraham and Sarah, that they supernaturally, we know that Sarah, her aging had to reverse because why would a heathen Pharaoh king see that she was beautiful and want her in his harem? She was probably 80 years old. 85? Okay, that doesn't happen naturally. So she had to be reversing And God had kept them young, healthy, and strong, kind of like Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb, even though they were 40 years older than the generation that was coming up to take the land, they were just as healthy and strong as they were 40 years back. That's a long time. But God preserved Abraham and Sarah and kept them young, healthy, and strong so that they could have a child, and he blessed them. He brought the promises of God forth in his timing. And when it was right, when it was Isaac, It was right. Though some people say, well, maybe I've gotten a little bit older now and all this. Listen, God can redeem the time for you. He can restore the years the locusts have eaten. He can give you a spouse. He can give you children. And he can do it sovereignly and supernaturally. He is a God that all things are possible to him that believes. So don't ever think that God cannot come through for you. That's not true. Yes, he can. And he can even turn back the clock and give you all these years back that you felt like were lost and that the devil stole. But here's just some more wisdom about when you go to get married, or whenever you start pursuing a relationship. Don't be alone for long periods of time, young people, by yourself with somebody opposite sex. Again, that would be stupid, and it leads to problems. Okay, try to be in public places. If you're going to spend time together, you need to spend time with each other's family, get to know each other, spend time with friends, develop a relationship. There was a a true story at Christ for the Nations. There was a young lady, and somebody had prophesied to her, you're going to marry so-and-so. Well, they're going along, and she never really felt it was from God, but she was just going along with it. And then somebody came along behind that and, and was talking to her, and, you know, kind of realized she had never even really heard from God about it for sure. And he himself didn't feel good about it. And he said, well, you know, what about this other guy? And she said, well, he's more like a brother. And he said, well, don't be surprised if he's not the one actually anyway. And so she ended up praying about it, and God confirmed to her it was the other guy. And you know what? They're happily married. They're in the ministry together. They have the same values. They've got kids now, and they're doing really well. You need to hear from God about this stuff. And not just go by what somebody else gives you, some prophetic word or something. You really need to know. All right. The problem, there's many problems with the current dating system, but one of them is that people emotionally get bonded together, and then that emotional bond is ripped apart when they break up. Also, many times in this current dating system as we know it, many people are having sex outside of marriage and that is opening them up to all kinds of spiritual problems. All kinds of problems. Um, soul ties, they're being defiled, they're picking up baggage. Um, it's, it's not a good thing. Did you know that romance, believe it or not, is not mentioned once in the Bible? Look it up. It's not in the Word of God. And so a lot of people get this Hollywood mentality about marriage, that it's going to be one big uh, romance and one big fairy tale. Um, I've already mentioned this in previous sermons. I hate to be the one to shatter your fantasy there, but it's not—that's not reality. That's the movies, okay? But romance isn't in the Bible, and it's—it's it's a marriage is a covenant, not a romantic high. Because people that get into this current dating system also here's a whole other problem. I could go through a list of problems with it, and then look at the positive and find one. Okay, It's like this list of all these problems. But another one is it's like this, um, it feels like a romantic high or something because everything's all about just having a good time, having fun. Well, all of a sudden, whenever you've got jobs, you've got a mortgage to pay, you've got kids, you've got all these other things, all that romantic fun stuff running around is gone, and now you're, you're stuck with each other. You better have some kind of real relationship. You know what dating also teaches people? It teaches people to break up when things get tough. And God hates divorce. A lot of times the saying love is blind, unfortunately there's some truth to that. People get caught up with somebody emotionally, and it's not good for them, it's not healthy. And friends and family try to tell them this isn't a good... I knew a young. I've known several people, but I knew one young lady. It comes to mind that her family, her friends, her brother, everybody tried to tell her, "You don't need to get mixed up with this guy." She ended up getting mixed up with him. They had a horrible marriage. It ended in divorce, and he was uh, one of those that um, wouldn't hold down a job and had other issues. It was really sad because, truthfully, she was a very pretty young lady, and she had a real bright future, and she didn't have to go that path. And that's what her brother was telling me. He was so ticked off because there was all these other guys that were actually good guys that were interested in her. She picked the one that was the worst pick that you could imagine End up messing up her life. And let me say something as well. If you've really truly heard from God and you really feel like you need to get married to somebody, um, unless there's some kind of extenuating circumstances, I wouldn't wait years and years and years. You know, just go ahead and move into the marriage. Amen. There's the problem is a lot of times people wait so long. Wow. You wanna come up and preach, brother? <laughs> yeah, he's he's dressed sharper than me, man. <laughs> but once you know that you've heard from God Sometimes people wait so long to get married that they start struggling with temptation, you know. Um, My advice there is just, you know, if you really feel like you've heard from God, go ahead and get married, okay. Here's some things about marriage. This is all about just wisdom nuggets tonight, okay. So take notes, jot these things down. But marriage will knock the rough edges off you. Probably more than anything else, if you've got rough edges, they're going to come up in marriage more than they will any other place more than they will in your workplace even more than they will in church they will come up in marriage there's a very strong sense of sowing and reaping (laughs) my wife's looking at this goofy look I bless you baby don't be messing with me while I'm trying to preach okay (laughs) but there's a very strong sense of sowing and reaping in marriage so, God, here's, here's how, if y'all can hear me tonight, I'm trying to really pour out some wisdom, take notes, write this stuff down, pray about this. This is extremely important stuff. This is stuff that can really save people from some pretty serious heartache in life, if they'll take it to heart. But you know what marriage really, truly is? It's this. It's where Christ's love, now here's the difference between the world's love and Christ's love. Christ, uh, uh, The world's love, a lot of times can kind of be selfish, okay? But Christ's true love is all about giving. Jesus said that no, there's no greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for someone else. And Jesus laid down his life for us. So it's a, it's a giving. So here's how a biblical marriage will really work, is if both people love the other person enough that I want to make you happy. I want to selfishly give of myself if both people have Christ's love then they're more concerned about the other person than they are about themselves and that right there that type of love is what will make a marriage really strong so true love wants to make the other person happy but see the opposite would be lust lust is all about just self gratification But love is you want to make the other person happy. You want to show them love and build them up. If a woman, here's some sowing and reaping. I think I've probably mentioned this already. But if a woman will build up her husband, she will reap him wanting to spend time with her. And him also having the godly confidence and strength to lead their family. But if a woman will tear down her husband emotionally and psychologically and do things to tear him down in front of their kids, don't be surprised if he doesn't want to spend time with you and if he also lacks the confidence, the godly confidence to really lead his family. Sowing and reaping. If a husband will love his wife and spend quality time with her, he will and and, you know he's building her up or whatever then a lot of times she will, in turn, build him up. So there's this sowing and reaping process. Amen. He's just amen in my sermon. It's all right. (laughs) So here's another part of sowing and reaping you need to understand. Women have a tendency to want more quality time than men do. Even though I'm not saying guys don't want quality time, but women want more of it usually. So a man needs to be loving and self-giving of his time, okay? Vice versa, just one area would be usually the husband will desire um, sexual relations a little bit more more frequently than a wife, but the wife should be loving and giving in that area. You see, it's about I love you and I want to build you up and minister to you, even though it may not always be What I want to do, I love you. Amen? So let me show you some of this in the Scriptures as well. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 1. He said, Now concerning the things about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. But what that means there is like in a way that would be sexual, like making out, that type of thing. But he says, Because of immorality, each man is to have his own wife, and each woman is to have her own husband. So, what he's saying here, this is important. That I break this down. He's saying that it's good that a man not touch a wife in a way that's, or touch a woman in a way that's sexual. That's that is the good advice for young people. If they're making out in the back seat of a car, it will lead to something, and the Bible says not to go there in the first place. All right, but he said, because of immorality, each man is to have his own wife and each woman have her own husband. So now you're dealing with marriage. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife. And this is talking about sexual relations. And likewise, also the wife to her husband. Look at this, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. So stop depriving one another. It's talking about sexual relations. Don't deprive each other. There's been many many marriages that have really gone downhill because of this issue right here. Maybe the wife would, would quit wanting to have sexual relations, I'll tell you. That there's been ministers that have fallen into sin that later say, you know, but the wife was not fulfilling her duty there. So the Bible says, stop depriving one another except by agreement for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. It's talking about fasting right there. okay? And then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. By this I say in a way of concession, not as a command. Yet I wish, he's saying here, I wish that all men were even as him. Paul wasn't married. So Paul wanted everybody to be single. I don't know what was wrong with this guy. All right. But he said this, I say to the unmarried and to the widows, that it is good for them to remain as I am talking about unmarried. But if they um, lack self-control, let them marry. It's better for somebody to marry than to burn with passion. All right, verse 10. But to the married I give this instruction, not I but the Lord, that the wife should not leave her husband. Now this is interesting. How many women have have gotten upset about something and then they they want to separate from their husband, kind of maybe to manipulate the situation to get her way. But he said here, he said, a wife should not leave her husband. But if she does leave, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And that the husband should not divorce his wife. Because God hates divorce. Alright, here's some more things. Verse 12, But to the rest of you I say, not the Lord, I'm sorry, he said, um, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever, and she consents to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman who has an unbelieving husband, and he consents to live with her, she must not send her husband away. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. For otherwise your children were unclean, but now they're holy. Yet, now this is important, yet if the unbelieving one leaves, let him leave. The brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. For how do you know, O oh wife, whether you will save your husband, or how do you know, O oh husband, whether you'll save your wife? But he's saying if you have an unbelieving spouse and they they leave and divorce you that you're free to move on with your life okay that's what he's saying here so here's some things to ask before you get married all right here's some wisdom number 1 do you want children or not women usually do this is important because if you have one spouse that wants children and another that doesn't this can be a big problem Are you on the same page spiritually, which I've already kind of dealt with? You need to make sure that you're on the same page spiritually because it will come up at some point. What about attitudes about money? Some people um, have, have an issue with racking up debt and they really like to be a big spender. While the other person doesn't like that, it can cause a lot of problems in marriage. So you need to make sure both of you are on the same page about how to handle finances. Do both sets of parents get along? Or are you going to have, you know, family functions and it's going to be like all-out war? I've actually, I've known people that they can't even have a family get-together without maybe the cops being called or or somebody leaving. It. It's really sad. I mean, it's just, my wife's back there like, yeah. It's her family. Well, the thing is, <laughs> but anyway, they they live pretty far from us. We really don't have a whole lot to do with them. There, we bless them. All right. So, um, also, how do you get along? I knew a guy. Bless his heart. I told him him and this girl were dating, but they fought all the time. And I told him, I said, Why in the world do you want to marry her when all y'all do is fight? But they did, and you know what they did after they got married. They just fought all the time. I mean, it carried right on in. It was like, what was he thinking? Another, this is important, guys. Y'all listen to me. Because nowadays, there's a lot more divorce than what there was years ago. Has there been a previous marriage? And if there was, is there biblical grounds for remarriage? Because if you've divorced and it's not right, it's not biblically right, the Bible says that you're not to remarry. And if somebody... Let's say somebody goes and they want to marry this person, but this person didn't have biblical grounds for divorce, and they married them. God's not really going to bless that marriage. And how many knows you want God's blessing on your marriage? Amen. So I know that there's, there's cases where, where the person is a victim, and, you know, uh, let me explain it, because this probably will come up at some point. If somebody was not a Christian, and they have a divorce in their background, and then later they became a Christian, then their past is under the blood. The second thing is, if somebody was a Christian, but they had a non-Christian husband or wife, and they departed and divorced them, Paul said, I just read it to you, that they're free to move on with their life, remarry. Another one is, is if somebody was married, but their spouse was sexually unfaithful to them then, of course, they're able to divorce and move on. But those three categories are the only three biblical categories that I can see where somebody can have a legitimate divorce before God's eyes, and then they remarry and it'd be blessed of God, okay? Otherwise, the Bible says that it's um, adultery. And we want God's blessing on our families, all right? Also, are there stepchildren involved? If so, is this going to be a good thing or a bad thing? Is there going to be a lot of rebellion? Let me say this. So God, look at this, Psalm 68, verse 6. God sets the lonely in families. Did you all hear that? God sets the lonely in families. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? So God sees people that are lonely, and you know what? He'll begin to put families together. Let me tell you about something about God putting families together. Sometimes God will put together a husband and wife and, and a family unit, and it's such a beautiful thing that it is far better than maybe like a biological family situation because it's God did it. God put it together, okay? Does that make sense? And when God puts something together, it's going to be blessed of him and be so powerful. All right. <clears throat> also, are they responsible? Is this person that you're look at, looking at marrying, do they hold down a job? Because if a woman is, is looking to marry some guy that doesn't, can't keep a job, that's not a good sign. Another thing is, um, you know, they need to talk about, you know, does, does the wife know how to cook at all? Because this, nowadays, this can be an issue no <laughs> my wife said just go out to eat that doesn't always work but what, what if the guy really wants a wife that knows how to cook and she knows? so that needs to be something to be discussed but hey just because somebody doesn't know how to cook at first doesn't mean they can't learn okay? so that's something that can be figured out and also do they know how to raise children because nowadays this is an issue we're living in a society where people are just babysitting instead of raising kids they, You know, they quit spanking. Some kids need a good old-fashioned whooping, man. I'm just telling. You. And you know you deserve what you tolerate. There was this story about this big old burly guy comes into the pastor's office. I mean, he's a big old hoss, and he's got this son over there, and he's a teenager, and he's sassing his dad, and he goes into the pastor's office, and, he's, and the dad is kind of crying, and, and he's saying, man, I don't know what to do with this son. And the pastor's just like, take him home. Take your belt off. <laughs> It's not hard. They put him in his place. Do some corporal punishment in love, okay? And but you know what? If he if if he doesn't do that, and that that child grows up being a rebellious brat that talks back to him and his mother and everything else, you deserve what you tolerate. You know, and some some kids don't need a spanking at all. Some of them you can just look at them wrong and they'll start crying. Man, you know, you you know your kids just. You know, But some of them do, and so you just need to make sure that you're not just babysitting kids, but you're raising them, that you're, you're teaching them right from wrong, that you're disciplining them, and you're helping mold them into what they're going to become when they get older. Amen? You want them to become a, a productive person in society. Also, were their parents good examples to them? Because that will come up in marriage as well. If somebody's come from a family where maybe it's a broken home, they didn't have a mom, they didn't have a dad, or um, their family fought all the time, they have no idea what a normal, healthy family looks like, these things will come up. Now, God can help you, and God can fix these things, but it will come up. It's something that needs to be prayed about. And let me tell you, it's vitally important that before people get married, that they go to like pastors and and um, f- and father figures in your family and really talk and get advice and get counseling. All right. Also, is there sexual activity before marriage? You know, you trust. Listen, you Christians, you better keep it holy because if you don't, when you if you do end up getting married, it will be regretted. Okay, because that you don't want your your wife to not have respect for you because you couldn't control yourself when you were dating, okay? And another thing is if you know that your your future spouse has been sexually active or you have been in your past, you need to get this stuff dealt with um, from an inner healing and a deliverance perspective and get cleansed so that you don't bring some kind of defilement into your marriage bed. Does that make sense? Make sure that you get cleansed from anything from your past so that you don't bring it into your marriage. Another thing is, are you both willing to go get counseling? This is wisdom. Are you both desiring inner healing and deliverance to clear away the baggage? And right now I would say start praying for your future spouse that God will prepare them for you and prepare you for them. In marriage, live within your means. If you make X amount of dollars, don't live like you make ten times that. I've seen people, I mean, I'm actually thinking of people in my mind right now that they got married and they got credit cards and they just racked them up and got everything they ever wanted. And they literally spent like a decade just trying to get caught up from all that. You know, live within your means. One spouse can create a lot of stress on the other spouse because they're a big spender and the other one knows that they really don't have it. Does the person that you're going to marry understand biblical order in the home? Now, this is huge. Here you are, you're wanting to have a Christian home. You're wanting that the husband be the head. You want the wife to submit to that and children to obey. And, you know, let's say, for example, a guy going to marry a young lady that grew up in a feminist home. And her attitude is, ain't no man going to tell me what to do. You're, you're really going to walk into a very painful situation. Okay. The heart of marriage has to be God's love and it has to be Christ-centered. It has to be an, an attitude. Y'all hear me. It has to be an attitude of until death do us part. You don't ever go into marriage thinking, well, I can just get out of this. No, this is supposed to be a covenant for life. Your mentality is that come hell or high water, I'm, I'm sticking with this, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to do whatever I need to do. But this, you guys ever seen that movie called um, Fireproof, Kirk Cameron? Okay, some that listen to this may not have even heard of that. I really recommend you watch that movie. It's very good. But see, he was, that movie's all about that you're going to fight for your family and do whatever you got to do to make it work. But God wants us to have that mentality. We're not going into a marriage to to get out of it. We're, We're going into a marriage. We're going to stick it out until death do us part. I'm going to do whatever I need to do. All right. And we also have to apply biblical principles to our lives for marriage to work. You also need to understand that God created marriage and sex. Satan has perverted sex. And so sometimes people have maybe been molested or something happened in their life and they, they view mentally, whether they'll admit it or not, they view mentally that sex is dirty. And so they go into marriage and now they, you know their spouse wants sexual relations, which of course they do, that's part of marriage, but, but they kind of always feel like, what's well, it's dirty and I don't really like it. That needs to be dealt with. Because God created marriage and God created sex and sex is beautiful and holy before God in marriage amen it got quiet (laughs) all right and a home out of order brings a major open door for satanic attack so we need our home in order is this helping some people tonight listen i feel like in some way especially with the younger people i feel like a dad up here just giving advice tonight let's just go down through it guys this is the way it is y'all need to listen to me but I'm gonna tell you that there's there's a lot of lack of wisdom out there. And and it's it's causing a lot of heartache that people don't have to go through. The difference between a wise man and a foolish man is a foolish man will have a lot of pain in his life because he's made so many stupid decisions down through the years. But a wise man will, will make a lot of wise decisions that will keep him from a lot of heartache and keep his family from a lot of heartache. Pray for wisdom. You know what? And some people say, well, you know, I don't know, you know, how actually my IQ level and maybe I didn't make all these really high grades in school. That has nothing to do with wisdom. I've seen people that have um, a higher IQ level that they can do well on tests, but when it comes to common sense in life, not, not smart. I mean, I hate to say it that way, seriously. But then I've seen people that maybe, you know, were average in school, but they had God's wisdom on them, and it's like they were brilliant in life. It's like on the workplace, they just had so much wisdom and God's blessing on everything that they did. God's wisdom is what makes all the difference. All right, so here we go. Last couple things, raising children. Ephesians 5.22, I'm just going to read this. Wives be subject to your own husbands. That means to submit to them. Actually, that means to obey them. So somebody say, what does it mean to submit? Well, this is going to just smack right in the face of American society. What submit means is that you ask permission to do what you're told. That's what submit means. But submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, look at the example. As the church is subject to Christ, so also the wife ought to be subject to her husband and everything. But then here's what the Lord says to the husbands. Love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word. Husbands, it's our responsibility And I'm going to tell you, when we stand before God, we're going to give an account how our wife turned out and how our kids turned out. You can't put it off on anybody else. You can't blame why this happened when I was growing up. I was treated this way as a kid. Society's done me wrong. None of that's going to fly with Jesus. Listen, we have a responsibility to take care of our family and to wash them with the water of the word and raise them in the ways of God. Or raise your kids in the ways of God. And to lead your wife in the ways of God. Amen. Okay, that he might present to himself a church in all of her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such things, but that she would be holy and blameless. That's where we get that scripture. Jesus is coming for a bride without spot or blemish. So husbands also ought to love their own wives just as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one no one has ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. So what he's saying here is, like you're going to feed yourself. You're going to give yourself a bath. You're going to put clothes on yourself. You're going to take care of your body. That's the way you also should think about taking care of your wife is what he's saying. Here. All right, because we are members of one body. Verse 31, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. This doesn't say nothing in here about a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to some other man. Anybody see that? Yeah. And the two shall become one flesh. This is this mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ in the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife even as himself, and a wife must see to it that she respects. Now listen to this. Respects her husband. Reverences her husband. Man, I got I had an issue one time having to deal with this, but there was a, a husband and wife and the wife would really dishonor and disrespect her husband publicly. And so I had to go talk to her in private. Of course, she acted the same way to me. Needless to say, one thing led to another, and they're, they're gone. But the problem is, is you can't do that. The Bible says right here that a wife is to show respect to her husband. You know how to disrespect your husband? is to get up in front of everybody and talk to him like he's an idiot. So anyway... After Paul mentioned in Ephesians five, he mentioned that this order in the home and it goes on the next verse it talks about children obeying their parents okay but he talks about how the the husband's the head, the wife submit then he goes into children being obedient and he deals with that real thoroughly right after that then he starts talking about spiritual warfare. You know what Paul's trying to say here just as clear as somebody can say it they had that was his greatest revival. And Paul's ministry that we know of was in Acts chapter 19 in Ephesus. So he plants that Ephesian church in the midst of revival. And he writes them a letter. And he's telling them, guys, you better make sure your home's in order before you go into any type of spiritual warfare. Ephesians 5, your home's in order. Ephesians 6, warfare. He's saying you better make sure everything's taken care of at home because once you go into spiritual warfare... If your home's not in order, you're going to have a wide open door for a satanic attack. All right, here's the last little bit of advice about raising children. Number one, numero uno. Be careful who their friends are. Not only have I raised a daughter, but I have also youth pastored for many years. And I'm telling you, number one problem, numero uno, is wrong friends. And as a parent, it's your responsibility to get rid of them. I had had some guys try to wander around Brianna, and I took care of it. And she still laughs about it to this day, but they're long gone. One guy was scared of me. I wasn't mean, but it's just like, you don't belong here, sir. You know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but how many of you guys would see that i mean come on you guys know that i'm telling you the truth you've seen even christian people that you knew that hung around the wrong people and what happened they backslid they got away from god they made mistakes wrong friends the bible says bad, uh, yeah bad company corrupts good character so number one is you make sure that they have godly christian friends and that's not necessarily people that go to church and that's not necessarily people in Christian school because there's some heathen who go to church and go to Christian school because their parents make them so but you you know their friends this is a big deal number 2 for some reason music seems to have a strong pull on young people and so make sure that they're not listening to some crazy music that's really out there that's influencing them there's some music out there it's been out there for many years but there's music out there that is very sexually perverted and there's a spirit of lust on it there's music out there that's satanic okay and there's music out there that's violent It's so always talking about murdering people and shooting cops and everything else how's that going to help your child become more like jesus it's just not going to happen All right, the third thing is try to explain yourself to your kids when disciplining them. There is a place and a time just to say it's because I said so. That's the end of the matter, okay? There's a place for that. But if you'll try to explain why you're doing things and help them understand it, it will really help them. There's some parents out there that they just say no, and then it's because I said so all the time, and that's the end of the matter. And, And young people really truly don't know why, and they want to know. And sometimes if you'll explain things to them, it'll really help them mature. Another thing is be consistent and follow through. This is a big one for me. People say, well, what's some of the real big ones for you about race? Number one is to be consistent. If you say, if you do that again, I'm going to ground you, you better ground, you better follow through because pretty soon they're going to find out that they can get away with pretty much anything because you don't ever follow through. You, if you say something, do not be one of those because, really, that's being dishonest. That's, that's sitting in bags. If you say it, you mean it, you do it, you follow through and be consistent. Another one is you can break lying in young people. Let me tell you how, all right? Whenever they get caught doing something and then they lie about it. I dealt with this, and it, it took care of it pretty quick. But what you do is, you say you're going to ground it ground you know, for two weeks or whatever for doing something. You add an additional two weeks for lying. So here's the thing. You're grounded for two weeks for whatever you did. But then also, because you lied about it, you've got two more weeks. And I'm consistent, and I follow through. So that means the next time you get caught doing this, just be straight with me. And then the next time that they did something, I would say, you know what? Uh, You're grounded for two weeks, but you're not going to get an additional two weeks because you told me the truth. And so pretty soon they realize it's just better to tell Dad the truth. The first time, not the second, the first time. Just shoot straight with it. I blew it. I did this. I shouldn't have done it. It was wrong. And I accept the punishment. I'm not going to lie. Whatever I do, I'm not going to lie because it's going to make everything a lot worse. I'm serious. This works. Apply it, and trust me, you'll see that it works. Discipline them for lying specifically. And they will stop doing it. And I already mentioned you deserve what you tolerate. If you're going to let them do stuff that you know isn't right, then you're going to have to live with it. Uh, Okay, here's a few more things that's really important. Don't be too overprotective or fearful or controlling. Very important. Um, Because of my wife's background, and she had come out of so much hurt and pain, you guys know her testimony, so I don't have to go into it. But she had been very abused growing up and, and had a lot of hurt and pain in her past and a lot of the occult. So I knew that Brianna's generational background, I knew that her, her family was deeply involved in the occult. I knew that. And I knew that God would have to kind of take that um, iniquity or that tendency out of her, which he did a long time ago. But, but I also knew that I needed to expose this. Now, this is one area that my wife was kind of like, I don't know about this, you know, because she was kind of nervous. But I told her, I said, no, I'm going to tell her. And so I remember when Brianna was pretty young, actually, I set her down and I explained to her what the occult was, what her family did, what's actually really going on. This stuff will send you straight to the pit of hell, you know. And I went through the whole thing with her, and I I really was real thorough. I even showed some Christian videos about it, everything, and at the end of it, she's kind of like, you know, I want nothing to do with that garbage. But you know what? Exposing it. It was like taking the mask off of it and saying, this is what this ugly thing really is that your family was involved in. I believe it really helped her. But my wife was a little nervous about that because, you know, she had been through so much. But don't be too overprotective and don't be too controlling about things. Um, If you'll take the mask off of it and show them how ugly that thing really is, they're not going to want it either, okay? And understand, this is a hard part for parents. Brother Zach, let them just have a child. This is a good one for y'all to hear too. But under, this is seriously hard for parents. You guys, you'll you'll probably remember I said this, and you'll be like, "Man, this is." Understand that everybody has to go through difficult times, and that means that your child's going to go through some bumpy spots, and you're just going to have to trust God through it. It's hard. Is you want to go in and fix everything but if you go in and try to fix everything you're just gonna mess it all up you're going to, have to trust god to see to see them through the difficult times because i'm gonna tell you throughout my life even though i remember the glorious times with god and all that the times that really fashioned me into who i am now as a minister were the difficult times and those those are the times that i talk about because those testimonies really, really knocked rough rough edges off my life and helped to form and fashion me. And it, it does a work in us. Trials do a work in us that nothing else can do. That's why trials are important. We all hate the trials. Amen. Everybody, nobody in here goes, man, I just love all this pain and suffering and this trials I've been through. That's my favorite time in life. You know, I just look back on that and want to go through it again. Nobody feels that way. Everybody's kind of like, man, it was, it was hard. It was difficult. But you know I'm a better person now on the other side of it. And so Jesus will allow us all to go through some trials. So just keep in mind that your child is not exempt from that. And the Lord's going to let them go through some testing and trials in life. Um, Trust him. He knows what he's doing. Trust him. Okay, and, it, and I already mentioned this about the occult. I actually have this in the notes about explaining it when Brianna was growing up. But don't try to hide everything. Take the mask off of it. Show show it for the ugly filth it is. If they bring home some nasty CD or something, just break out the lyrics. Say, okay, here's what it says. And you look at it, and it's like this filth, and it's like you take the mask off of it and show them how ugly the thing is. A lot of times, they won't want anything to do with it. Also pray for them and bless them daily pray for your children daily bless them speak blessings over them regularly even um to this day the, the hebrew roots of the faith jewish families will speak a blessing over their kids every week on sabbath all right the last thing is this i feel that if parents nowadays because school systems have really gotten a lot worse if there's any way that you can homeschool or Christian school your children, I really believe it'll be a lot easier on your child. I really do, and that really helped um, Brianna as well because schools have gotten. When I was in school, it was it was it was ungodly, okay. It was definitely ungodly, but it's gotten a lot worse now. And so think about what your young people are having to go into week after week. They're having to go around constant profanity and um, sexual conversations that are perverted, um, you know, kind of this tension where a fight could break out any time. It's just an oppressive environment. It's just not healthy. So if there's a way as a Christian to homeschool them or, or Christian school them, I, I really believe that you would give them the advantage in that way. It would be a lot easier for them. All right, how many guys has helped you all tonight? All right wisdom i think that pastor stephen should just pray for people tonight he's looking like a very very um, handsome preacher right now he just needs to go through and pray for everybody anyway we're going to pray for those that do want prayer before we go but uh, lord i thank you so much tonight for all that you've done i thank you for moving in our lives i pray for great great wisdom to be in all of our lives for the days ahead that we'll have healthy strong homes lord help us to not rush into things help us lord to have wisdom about who um, we're going to potentially look at as a spouse because that's one of the biggest decisions in our entire lives. And we want to make sure that we're making the right decisions. Lord, I pray for marriages to become strong and healthy like never before in River of Life, that homes will be wonderful. And, Lord, in the in the sermons to come, I'm going to deal with some things that I've never heard preached on, but how your home, uh, things like a Sabbath and things about spending quality family time, Lord, I pray As I speak on these other issues, Lord, that you'll really establish wisdom and strength in our families. Fortify our homes. We want our homes, Lord, to be like the wise man that built the house on rock of obeying Christ's teaching, of knowing the word and applying godly principles, that when the storms try to come, that our homes are going to stand firm through those storms, Lord. Make our homes like that. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.